AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. All right. In case you're looking for something to huddle next to for warmth, I guess I would offer soybean futures, which are following bean oil to the upside. Not much else to feel warm or fuzzy about so far today. We'll implement a conversation on iron. We'll also talk cattle, the weather, and two grifters off to see the world. Live! There's such a lot of words to say via Farm Journal broadcast. This is AgriTalk. This morning, we'll begin with a conversation with Machinery Pete, Greg Peterson. Then it's Kent Bacchus, National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And later, Farm Journal wordsmith Chris Bennett joins. Directly following the news, Brett Waltz from BAM WX. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, your host of AgriTalk. And actually, okay, so... I'm not hosting every single show this week. We've divvied it up to some of our usual suspects. You know, share the love a little bit. People like to be on the radio. I don't want to hog it all. You know what, I'm, know what I mean? So uh, I guess I would consider I'll be in on all of it. All right? You know how I do when we have other people come in and host the show. Chip will be out for the entirety of this week. Don't worry about it. He's fine. He'll be back as soon as he's able. But right now he's taking some time to relax. With the missus, and uh, God love them both. Hope you're having a great time wherever you might be. In the meantime, I'm like that guy at the at the circus with the uh, the top hat and the cape. You know, an Agritalk cape, that's that's something. I'm going to write that down. We'll ask Big Apple Joe Stackler if we can get a cape for these instances. Um, but we'll have guest hosts sort of in and out the doors of the Agritalk studios here for you this week, and we will be bringing you solid gold ag radio all week long. It's going to begin this week with the with some standard stuff. We got Machinery Repeat coming up next. He's very excited about some values, and we've been watching um, iron values, implements. We're talking about machinery. We've been watching these values. Are they going to level off? Are they going to continue higher? Seems like we're still seeing records, but it's not, you know, we smashed the record by 20 grand last week or anything like that. So we'll see what, what Pete's finding out, if there's any trend, anything to be uh, anything to be gained um, to be learned from the machinery markets right now. And then Kent Bacchus, a lot of things to talk about here. Um, it's not just a sexy headline. The NCBA continues to push for death tax relief. Um, this is actually an extremely important issue. Um, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association is all over this like a dirty shirt. Kent Bacchus is going to update us on this. I've got a press release here. Um, and then they've also got CattleCon coming up. You want to go to Orlando, Florida? You could go down there and go to CattleCon. That might be fun. We'll get some details about that. Um, uh, Chris Bennett. Chris Bennett's got a couple of really good ones for us here. Um, and Brett Waltz, after I'm done with the news here. It, enough with the hype. Let's get to the news today. National Weather Service weather outlook. More unsettled weather expected to impact the West Coast with heavy rain impacting California today. Freezing rain across the Central Plains this morning expected to rapidly spread northeastwardly into the Midwest today followed by another round of freezing rain tonight from the Midwest to the lower Great Lakes. Accumulating snowfall across the, the lower Great Lakes on Tuesday. Is that South Bend? South Bend getting some snow. 
A couple rounds of heavy rain will raise flooding potential across eastern Texas today, expanding eastward into the lower Mississippi Valley Tuesday and into early Wednesday. That was an absolute mouthful of weather information there. We'll get the specifics and what we need to know from Brett Waltz coming up here in just a few minutes. Last week, the Dow gained uh, 0.7%. The S&P added 1.2%. The S&P ended actually last week at a record level. And the tech-heavy NASDAQ composite climbed to 2.3%, lifting all three major stock market averages into positive territory for the year. But it's, I mean, it's only the 22nd of January, whatever. Um, but if we're looking at these these equities here, it looks like the Dow is pulling back just a little bit already this morning. But but we are green on the screen on your stock indices, the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ, all higher thus far this morning. Three Fed officials on Friday emphasized incoming data will guide their decision on when to cut interest rates. Three different uh, perspectives here. The Chicago Fed president said officials should consider cutting rates as inflation falls to avoid keeping policy too tight. All right. The Atlanta Fed president said he's open to changing his views on the timing of cuts depending on the data. And the San Francisco Fed president says it's premature to think cuts are around the corner. Um, a lot of talk about cuts, how many, when, how how deep they cut, if they will cut. It, it, it appears the uh, the Fed board is, uh, is just as confused as the rest of us. Well, the Senate is in session, but the House is in recess until the evening of January 29. Another House recess comes after Congress last week again kicked the fiscal year 2024 funding can further down the road until March. Now, exempting half days that are scheduled for traveling into or out of Washington, the House only has five full legislative days on its calendar before lawmakers leave February 16 for what is slated to be an almost two-week break from the Capitol. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dropped out of the Republican presidential primary Sunday, marking the end of his candidacy and setting up a two-horse race between President Donald Trump and Southern uh, former Southern Car- South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, a distant second. DeSantis said while endorsing Trump, quote, it's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. In other news, the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum in Davos this year shifted its focus away from Asia with the Eurocentric crowd primarily discussing Donald Trump's potential return to the U.S. presidency. And finally, here's sufficient amounts of rain fell in many areas of Brazil over the weekend to maintain favorable crop development. Rainfall during the next two weeks will be most concentrated on center-west, northern, center-south, and northeastern parts of the country. Argentina, meanwhile, mostly dry during the weekend. That trend will continue for at least one more week, though rainfall may increase this week. For more specifics on the weather, let's bring in Brett Waltz from BAM WX. Good morning, Brett. How's it going? Hey, good morning. I'm doing pretty good. How are you this morning? Not good, Brett. Not good. Um, I stepped out my back door and didn't realize that we had gotten uh, a very aggressive layer of ice overnight. I wound up flat on my back, bro. My shoulder is out. This is nuts. Um, I would... I'd ask you when the weather's going to improve, but I'm afraid the answer is March 21st, right? <laughs> I actually do have some good news. I've got it's going to get worse before it gets better, but okay. I do think that as we work into the end of January and into early February, a pattern's going to warm up quite a bit. In fact, uh, Midwest probably going to be 10 to 20 degrees above normal to close out January to start out February. Okay. That's going to feel a lot different than it has over the past seven to 10 days. But we do have that ice. 
And that ice is going to continue to kind of spread across the Ohio Valley as we work into this evening and into tonight. Indianapolis, South Bend, Fort Wayne, Chicago, all those areas at risk for ice accumulation over the next 24 hours. Well, I'm clear down here in Kansas City. I mean, how widespread is this? I mean, it feels like an ice event to me, Brett. Yeah, it's pretty widespread. There's winter weather advisories from from eastern Oklahoma all the way up through Michigan and Pennsylvania. And so this is this is going to be one of the bigger uh, in terms of how widespread it is, one of the bigger ice events we've had in several years. It's not necessarily the heaviest that we've had, but you really don't need a whole lot of ice to cause widespread issues. So I'd expect pretty, pretty hazardous travel across the Ohio Valley, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Missouri, parts of Iowa as we work into this evening and through tomorrow morning. Any chance we can get some rains to uh, help recharge the rivers? Yeah, I actually do. Uh, the next seven days, there are we've got this first wave that's kind of ongoing, but numerous waves. Uh, another one middle part of the week, and then as we work into this weekend, another wave. A lot of precipitation across the deep south, south-central U.S. over the next seven days, maybe one to three inches or more in spots. Wow. Brett Waltz from BAMWX, I appreciate the time this morning. Volatile weather continues. I guess we'll all just stay weather aware. What say, buddy? I would say that's a good idea. Still some winter to go. Brett Waltz, BAMWX, we appreciate you, buddy. Coming up next, we've got Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. He's been up in Sydney, Iowa, a chilly nine below zero. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Machine repeat here, folks. This segment of AgriTalk brought to you by our friends at Dakota Ag Innovations, makers of Dakota Shine, the best way I've seen to fix faded paint. Go to dakotashine.com or call 888-996-7801. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson here behind the big green leafy microphone. We're going to pass the big green leafy microphone around to some of the all-stars of AgriTalk's coverage this week. I'm anxious to see... What some of the folks will uh, come up with for us this week. I'll be around, uh, you know, smart alecky comments, uh, du jour as needed and uh, and whatnot. So we'll get through this together. Chip will be back next week. Everything's fine there. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. He's, he's good. Um, hopefully he's not listening. If he is, dude, turn off your radio. Get back to vacationing, doing whatever you're doing. I don't know. Anyway, um, this is what it is. And, hey, Big Apple Joe was just asking me off the air that he's like, dude, did you did you really fall down today? I really did fall down today. Um, fortunately, I wasn't seriously injured, but I could have been good people. I can't imagine that there's a whole lot of farm folks out there that haven't been outside just yet this morning. I imagine you've been outside enough times that you're back in for coffee right now. If you haven't been outside, or even if you have, man, watch the ice out there. Doggone it, if you fall down, you can really... 
I didn't, but I'm super grateful to the Lord above. I didn't throw out my back or hit my head or something. Everybody, please just be careful. Brett Waltz talking about that huge area reaching. So we've got it documented from KC clear out to the Ohio River Valley. Um, ice, ice, ice for the next couple of days, and then we'll warm up. Hang in there, everybody. Someone with ice and walleyes in his veins. Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. Welcome to AgriTalk. Good morning, buddy. Hey, good morning, Davis. Uh, you should have had the lead-in music be maybe Ice Ice Baby, a little vanilla ice or something. Huh? That'd be too perfect. Glad you're too okay. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, talk to me about about where you're at right now. Where are you where are you located? What are current conditions out your window, Greg? Well, I'm back home in Rochester, Minnesota. Actually, uh, it's beautiful today. It's uh, 27 degrees right now, and it feels like about 47 after the yeah. full snap we had there. But, uh, yeah, that's one thing about living in the upper Midwest, Minnesota. It's, uh, tell, tell our friends down south that high 20s can feel balmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, when you're used to 10 below zero, it's it's all relative, right? Well, can we, I don't know, I'm about ready to label Rochester, Minnesota as the northern Midwestern tropics. We had Scott E. Davis on the other day from Bullpen Trading. Uh, I think he's right there in the Rochester area. And he was talking about how, you know, it hasn't been too bad, not too bad on the snow, not too terrible on the cold and everything. Boy, I think you got the sweet spot there, Pete. Well, hey, Rochester is a wonderful place to live. Uh, we raised our kids here. My wife grew up here, uh, Mail Clinic, of course. Uh, yeah, I know in winter we've hardly had any snow until just recently here. Uh, it was a brown Christmas and, uh, I think the warmest December ever on record in Minnesota. So kind of feels like Northern Missouri, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like what Northern Missouri wishes it was right now. (laughs) It's cold down here, bro. (laughs) But, uh, I'm curious Uh, about these temperatures because so much of what you do revolves around and relies on those farmers showing up for auctions. Yes. Sometimes online, but a lot of times they want to be there in person. Sydney, Iowa, uh, you were doing a retirement auction oh. for the Machine Repeat TV show, a chilly nine below zero. Did did values freeze over there, or did they heat up for you, Pete? Well, I 34 years doing my gig here, Davis. There's just a couple rules uh, I've sort of drilled down or uh, just come to know over the years. One is that adverse weather, however you define it, whether it's rainy, cold, uh, snowy, whatever equals hot bidding, and that was proven out again Saturday in Sydney. Huh. Like you say, it was nine below. Although oddly, you know, nine below if there's no wind is halfway pleasant. It's bearable. It sounds crazy sure. to say that, but you I, can do that. I actually yeah. think I got a little sun. I actually got a little sunburn on on Saturday, if you believe <laughs> it. But, um, no, I was a great sale. It was Lawrence and Mary Lou Crom retirement sale. Friend uh, sale by my friends uh, Tom and Tim Shram Shram auction. Not a very big sale, but uh, beautiful case site equipment we wanted to capture for the TV show. So my pick of the week, I'd have to go with, uh, it was interesting, it's not the pre-death tractor, actually. It was the late model one, a 21 model case site Maxim 150. I mean, it was like new. It only had 140 hours on it. Never had a loader on it. Uh, now, going into the sale, Davis, the highest we'd ever seen at auction was 130 And this one, the hammer price was 133 and then you tack on the buyer fee, it was 134 and a quarter. So, you know, it, it definitely deserved a premium being like new. But I think here the deal is these 150 horse loader type tractors have been just, man, they've been hot here for a couple mm. of years. And the price of new is going up, up, up. So here's a, you know, basically a three year old one, you know, chance to buy it. And uh, yeah, 134 and a quarter. Yeah. The tractor I thought would be the highest on the sale, and it did very well. 
<clears throat> but it was the 2010 KSH Magnum 275. Of course, pre-def was one owner, 1,796 hours. Came in at 165. That's tied for the third highest price ever. So very competitive bidding there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think the buy of the auction was the 2013 KSH Magnum 235. 1,374 hours sold for 144 and a quarter. That's uh, the tenth highest ever. Um, but I think people's people were focusing on that 275. And then they had an interesting combine, Davis, a side hill, uh, 21 model case, it's 6150 Hillco side hill, huh. only 321 SEP hours on it. And that came in at $310,000. That's the fourth highest price I've ever seen on a 6150. But, uh, you know, side hill makes it unusual, you know, it can kind of cut both ways. You don't have as many buyers looking for those, but then mm-hmm. the folks who are looking, it's hard to find them. So yeah, it came out solid at 310. Yeah. Well, now, let me ask you about this, because when those temperatures drop, you say the values heat up. I mean, I feel like at an auction, the the way that you, one of the means to drive prices higher is to draw a big crowd. You know, auctioneers want to bring a nice big crowd, mm-hmm. you get active bidding, that pushes the mm-hmm. price higher and higher and higher. You know, the sellers are happy that way, they sell for a good price and everything. Um Am I to believe that the prices went higher without a large crowd, or did a large crowd show up there at that Sydney, Iowa? Do they show up no, when it's it cold a, like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a good crowd, you know. And, of course, these days so much has moved to online only that uh, mm-hmm. to actually go out to a sale it can feel like an effort. But, I mean, you know, everywhere I go, people, they're kind of missing the, mm-hmm. the traditional in-person auction. I mean, the, the social yeah. aspect, honestly, yeah. Um, and the, the adverse weather, it's funny, you would think that maybe a smaller crowd, tough weather would hurt a sale, but I, like I said, 34 years, it's the opposite. I, I think what happens is if you're standing there and it's nine below and the one thing you drove an hour, 90 minutes for, it's like, you know what, I'm in pain here. It's cold. It's <laughs> yucky out. And maybe I should just, oh, okay, I'll bid once more. And, well, I'll bid again. Uh-huh. It happens every single time I've interviewed. <laughs> done YouTube interviews with 90-year-old auctioneers, yeah, and they all say the same thing, the worst weather days. Yeah, the worst weather days uh, can wind up being the hot ones. Well, and I tell you, you get, a, uh, you get a hot cup of coffee in you and a boiled hot dog, man. A guy can absolutely feel hey. unstoppable. Yep. You're good to go. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, talk to me. Uh, you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to skip this one. Let's go down to a barn find tractor selling Wednesday. These barn finds yeah. fascinate me, Pete. Yeah, this is one, folks, you got to have your eyes on. Our, my friend Dan Sullivan sent me a video. You maybe saw it on our social media this weekend. But selling Wednesday, uh, Sullivan Auctioneers, and, of course, their partners at BigIron.com. They have a John Deere 4240 barn find type deal up out of central Minnesota. It's only got 2,328 hours on it. It was sold new out of Tepley Equipment back in Cocado, Minnesota, right on beautiful Highway 12 there, west of the Twin Cities. Uh, and Dan, uh, you know, just check out our Machine Repeat Facebook page or SullivanAuctioneers.com, Big Iron, you'll see a video on it, all the pictures. But uh, 4240 is, of course, right in that mm-hmm. sweet spot. Yeah. You know, that 40 series, late 70s, early 80s. Average auction price last year was actually the highest ever. Twenty-five thousand, twenty-one bucks. Actually, saw one as high as sixty-eight thousand and a quarter last year. It only had nine hundred ninety-nine hours. So Wednesday, Sullivan. Oh, 
Wednesday. I think he was going to go on to uh, Sullivan Auctioneers selling it. Uh, originally sold in Cocado, Minnesota. Um, that's that uh, JD4240 with only 2,328 hours. It's Star 6, on. Greg. Star 6. Star 6, Greg. Um, also, some uh, some upcoming stuff. Uh, uh, for sale by owner tractor yeah, from okay. Georgia. Come back, guys. Yep. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, swing us down to Georgia. Yeah, a little sorry, warmer, war, little warmer weather. Sounds like a peach of a Case IH for sale there. Yeah, for sale by owner a ninety-five model Case IH seventy-two twenty folks mechanical front sixty-two hundred nine hours just listed on our website for sale by owner always shedded. An interesting thing here: the seller is Rodney Miller. Uh, who's the host of Small Town Big Deal, a TV show that uh, huh. many folks enjoy, uh, travel yeah. around the country. I talked to Rodney this weekend. Uh, got a really interesting farm down there in Ray, Georgia. But this 7220 selling is absolutely beautiful. So uh, I'll be posting a note about that. And uh, Rodney is a good guy. We're going to try to get him on the Machine Repeat podcast. So uh, stay tuned for more on that. That sounds terrific. Um, running short on time, where are you headed to for the rest of the week? Uh, a couple auctions I'm watching. One in Nebraska tomorrow. Adam Marshall Landon auction out of Kearney, Nebraska. Some good stuff. DPA auctions. I'll go again out of Nebraska. Big sale tomorrow. So keeping an eye on those, Davis. Outstanding. Greg Peterson, Machinery. Pete, uh, yeah, enjoy the uh, northern tropics up there, brother. We appreciate your time. You bet. Catch you next week, Davis. Right on. Coming up next, Kent Bacchus, NCBA. Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer. And joining us now, Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady Beach. I didn't hold out much hope here for anybody but soybeans on the strength of uh, of soybean oil here, but we got wheat and even corn is trying to move higher this morning. Yeah, a round of uh, corrected buying here to kick off the week, Davis. Uh, wasn't the case during overnight trade. Uh, most of those markets favored the downside, but uh, we get to daytime trade and, and a little bit more buyer interest. Like you mentioned, uh, soy oil is leading to the upside, and, and that's coming on spillover from crude oil. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see if we can hang on to these gains or not. Uh, meal's the outlier. It's trading to the downside, and, and corn's kind of just been pivoting around unchanged, but uh, starting to adopt just a little bit of a firmer tone here at mid-morning. The uh, cattle report on Friday, I believe, was judged generally meh, and we're seeing a, a lower price performance this morning in the cattle's. Yeah, I, I don't think that any of the selling uh, this morning in live cattle and feeder cattle can be tied to the uh, cattle on feed report Friday afternoon. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it did show the inventory up a little bit more than 2% uh, from year ago. But keep in mind, last year's uh, feedlot numbers were declining and, and all three categories were basically right in line with expectations. And, and so uh, this is just a, a corrected pullback uh, on the uh, to the uptrend that we've seen off the December lows. And we'll have to wait uh, in all likelihood. We'll see cash cattle trade uh, negotiations extended out deep into the week and and so some of that uh, lends itself to the corrective selling that we're seeing here early in the week to kick off uh, the price action and then the hogs uh, you know mildly favoring the downside uh, the futures are just letting the cash index catch up the cash index is up again today and and uh, it's i think eight of the past nine days now that it, it's been higher and, and so seasonally we continue to firm up but the uh, futures are just letting the cash cash market catch up Brian Grady on Markets Now. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. AgriTalk. Indeed, coffee time. Uh, AgriTalk here, your pal Davis Michelson with you. Glad you've decided to spend some time with us this morning. Uh, let me bring in Kent Bacchus from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Kent, uh, welcome to AgriTalk. Thanks for being with us this morning. Yeah, happy to join you. Sir, you and I uh, have, we, we've never met. We haven't spoken before. Tell us a little bit about, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, the NCBA, what you do there, what you love about the, uh, the beef industry. Well, sure. So, yeah, I'm uh, Kent Backus. I'm executive director uh, for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association based here in Washington, D.C. Uh, you know, NCBA, we're the oldest, largest national association representing uh, cattle producers. So uh, we are we're engaged with Congress, engaged with the different agencies on a lot of different issues. One of the ones I get to focus on is tax policy. And uh, let me tell you, this is going to be a, a very important year coming up when it uh, when it comes to tax policies, because, you know, a lot of the relief that we have enjoyed uh, for the last few years is uh, it's going to expire at the end of 2025. So we're going to be very busy between now and then educating members of Congress and educating a lot of congressional staffers who, quite frankly, weren't uh, weren't around. They were a lot of them were in high school and in college. Mm-hmm. The last time Congress had to vote on this, so we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Yikes, yikes. Well, let, let's do talk about that. Um, I'm just going to pull from a press release right here. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association, that's the NCBA, strongly supports the Death Tax Repeal Act, uh, an effort led by uh, Representatives Feenstra from Iowa and Sanford Bishop from Georgia. The Senate Companion Bill, led by Senator John Thune, repealing the federal estate tax, also known as the Death Tax is a top priority for NCBA now. Kent, um, I've got a quote here from uh, NCBA President, South Dakota cattle producer Todd Wilkinson here. With the cost of farmland rapidly rising, the death tax presents a significant threat to the future of family farms and ranches. Can you help us get our, get our heads around, first of all, what, the, what this death tax is that you all refer to? So I think a lot of your listeners listeners are going to be familiar with uh, the uh, the death tax or the estate tax. Uh, you know, this is a tax that is assessed on the value uh, of an estate at the time of your death. And so this is basically uh, if you're if the value of your estate, the the land, the cattle, everything that goes uh, into what you own, if that exceeds 
uh, a certain certain threshold, then the government will tax that at 40%. And so what we're asking for is, you know, to, to get rid of this punitive tax altogether. This is a tax on land, on property, on wealth, on income that has been taxed multiple times throughout uh, throughout your lifetime. And this is uh, something that is one of the leading causes of the breakup of multi-generational operations. So when you look at inflation, you look at the rise in farmland values and everything that's happened in the last you know seven, eight years, that means a lot of people are going to be vulnerable if Congress doesn't do something uh, to, uh, to address this death tax. Uh, you know, unfortunately, if Congress fails to do anything in the next two years, uh, you know, by the end of 2025, then we're going to see the estate tax uh, kick in. And, and that means that every individual whose estate's worth five million dollars or, or over that, all of that's going to be taxed at 40 percent. Uh, that's going to affect a large number of people when you simply just look at the value of land and operations. And so the last thing we need to just is to see uh, the government breaking up family businesses and family farms and ranches. So what we're asking Congress to do is to 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 engage to repeal this punitive tax. And, you know, so far there's a lot of there's a lot of support. You've got 162 original co-sponsors. Uh, in the House of Representatives, you have over 40 co-sponsors in the Senate. Uh, this is an important message that says that this is not something that Congress supports. We do not want to see uh, the death tax continue. We definitely don't want to see so many farmers and ranchers hit with this punitive tax. Kent, um, it, it sounds to me from our conversation like this legislation, this tax threatens to, you know, not only in some ways punish success i mean you you bust your butt your whole life to build something that you can pass on to the next generation and then you wind up owing an enormous tax on it at the you know when you're at the moment when you're ready to hand it over not only does it punish success but then also threatens to break the chain of succession kent this whole thing just sounds like a horrible idea at what point and to whom did this sound like a good idea how was this a policy so that I mean, this is a this is a policy that goes back, you know, a uh, hundred years, and this was really wow. designed to kind of help uh, pay for some of the the efforts of the First World War, but it was also to try to okay. uh, to to break up, uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, wealthy families uh, at the turn of the century. The problem is, is that anytime you get ideas like this, they kind of uh, they kind of become, you know, zombies in effect and they keep coming back around. Right. Uh, the problem is that, you know, the government has no problem spending money, but what they do have is a revenue issue. And so this is something that uh, you definitely have, you know, some members of Congress who think this is a good idea. This is a tax the wealthy approach. But unfortunately, this hits a lot of family owned businesses uh, and it hits a lot of our, our family farmers and ranchers. So, uh, you know, as Congress has to address this thirty four trillion dollar debt that we have, let's not let's not use bad ideas like the death tax to pay that bill. There's better ways to do this. And that's why we need the death tax to be repealed permanently, provide that that, uh, uh, you know, that firm future for the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. Preach um, the this legislation is set to expire at the end of 2025. That would put put it back to pre 2017 limits. 
Um, and there are some implications with, with the economic environment we have right now with inflation and all that sort of stuff to those pre-2017 limits. Um, you're hoping for something different here, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, ideally, we want, to, we want to get rid of the whole thing altogether. I mean, the fact that you, you got to keep it around in some way, shape or form, it, it, it continues to hit uh, some of our uh, our family businesses. You know, ideally, the best thing is to get rid of it altogether. And that's what we're going to push for. Uh, you know, I think a lot of folks out there uh, are tired of, of fighting this. This is something we've had to fight uh, every few years. But the problem is, is that this bad idea, uh, you know, it it continues to come up and we have to be there to fight back. We have to be the ones that show that this is detrimental for small businesses. It's terrible for for actual succession. Uh, and it and it causes a lot of strife on families and it's unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I would encourage folks that if they haven't already, please contact your members of Congress, encourage them uh, to co-sponsor both the House and the Senate versions of the Death Tax Repeal Act and speak up, share your stories. You know, one way to do that is uh, to also you know visit our website, ncba.org. Uh, we have a tax survey that we are conducting with our members and with cattle producers. So if you're a cattle producer out there, I encourage you to take this tax survey and engage. Tell us what uh, what issues are important to you in tax policies. Share your story about how the death tax has impacted you and be part of the process. You know, as the as the saying goes, you know, if, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And unfortunately, Oof, with the yeah. massive debt that we have, the spending problem that Congress has, and the revenue issues they face, if we don't engage and we don't speak up, then guess what? We're on the menu. So that's yeah. why we need that's why we need to engage. That's excellent. I'm just going to repeat that. You know, gang, if, if you feel strongly about this, and I hope you you do, uh, it's the Death Tax Repeal Act. Call your call your local legislator. Call your state legislators. Uh, go to ncba.org. Get some more information on this um, and engage. Ken, I think that word that you used right there is is crucial engage let's talk about something a little bit warmer you got cattle con coming up are you are you headed down to orlando oh i'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, this yeah, time next week we'll be in much warmer climate so i'm uh, looking forward to it um tell me about cattle con what uh what are you what are you guys gonna do what's what's the uh big hubbub so you know cattle con is the big uh cattle industry uh yeah. conference of the year this this time we're in orlando uh we've got a full week of education and and we've got policy meetings. If you want to get involved in those, there's other other meetings as well. There's a massive trade show that has everything under the sun that you could imagine. Uh, but the best part about it is you get to get out of the cold weather for a few days and come down to Florida, spend some time with other cattle, other cattle producers, uh, and learn more about what's going on in the industry and the world around you. So I'd encourage you, if you get a chance, come down, uh, spend the week with us. Uh, learn more about what uh, we're doing at NCBA. Learn more about what the industry's doing overall, uh, and just engage with other cattle producers. Uh, and that's that's one of the things that we hear time and time again from from functions just like these, just like CattleCon, um, you know, on the grain side and all over the place. When when producers get together and have a chance just to you know, maybe have a couple adult beverages together, maybe sit and learn some things about their industry together and even just just have a chat together. Man, that is that is one of the uh, the truly uh, the things that you can't put a value on with events like this. Would you say that's fair, Kent? I think that's a it's a great assessment. I think there's there's so much that you get just from interacting 
uh, with, uh, you know, with other producers and, you know, we're, we're not meant to be isolated. We're not meant to be alone. I think the last few years, uh, we've definitely suffered from that. Uh, but the, the thing that makes us resilient, uh, as an industry is the fact that we do a lot of stuff in person and we love to love to engage. We love to have, uh, those, uh, those discussions, uh, and it's good. It's good to share views. And it's also good that we don't agree on everything. It means that, you know, we're, we're going to constantly challenge uh, each other and, and really drive uh, that competitive nature that, that makes us, uh, you know, really the, the most efficient, most productive uh, cattle producers in the world. So I encourage folks, uh, if, if you've got the time, please come down and join us in Orlando. We've got plenty of information on our website at ncba.org. And we'd love to see you. Outstanding. Kent Bacchus, I'm glad we had a chance to talk this morning. Thanks for uh, for helping us get our head around it. Kent Bacchus from the uh, National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Have a great week, brother. It was great chatting with you. Good talking with you, Davis. Right on. Coming up, we've got Chris Bennett, farm journal wordsmith, a farmer and a wild pig, and two grifters. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Uh, before we get to Chris Bennett, let's just review really quickly. Um, the word from Brett Waltz, man, watch out for the ice out there. It's gone warmed up, okay? It's gonna, but it's it's going to be icy and dangerous, can confirm, um, through pretty much everywhere that anyone is, Okay. Uh, Greg Peterson, even when it's cold outside, you can still sell tractors for a ton of money. And Kent Bacchus, let's get engaged. Cattle folk, the Death Tax, uh, Death Tax Repeal Act, ncba.org, and then also CattleCon there. I mean, so much. Let's bring in Chris Bennett, Farm Journal Wordsmith. Chris, it's been too long since we've spoken. I've been looking forward to this, brother. Davis, awesome to be on here with you, fella. I hope you uh walking straight and staying about half honest. We're trying. We're trying. Maybe thirty-three percent honest, I would say, but <laughs> but we're uh, we're improving, dude. Um, I just want to get a couple of hits here from you to uh, to bring people over to read your stuff, man. You have a way with words, and I I don't want to get in your way uh, much further. My wife was asking me last night, how dangerous can pigs even be? I mean, they're so cute and everything, dude. There's danger with the, especially with the wild pigs. Hi, Davis. I'm. Uh... Got a couple of significant stories completed. One of them is about a row crop farmer in South Mississippi who, uh, at the end of the season years ago, was going in to retrieve to cull one of his domestic hogs, and a wild pig had got in there with them. Um, 
a, a boar. And when he got up on them, the boar came at him and did what wild pigs often do when encountering a human that's wound up at his growing level. And that wild pig, he tried to climb a tree, grab the lowest branch that he could, lifted himself up and cast his legs kind of in a, in a V. And when mm -hmm. he did so, that wild pig stuck him with those bottom teeth, those bottom tusks, which are the, the extremely razor sharp tusks yeah. and into the uh, growing area, right on the femoral artery and oh, then no. pulled back. And by the time <clears throat> the gentleman, his name was Hardy Caraway, hit the ground, he was dying. He was dead in a couple of minutes. His sons tied a tourniquet to that leg. They couldn't, uh, they could not stop the bleeding. He bled out right there. They couldn't get him to the house even. And so today the family still has one of those tusks and they have the handkerchief, the rag mm. that uh, they used to try and save his life. He left a wife behind. He was about oh, 50 no. and I believe 10 kids. And I don't think she ever remarried. Very, very poignant tale. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, those those wild boars with those those razor sharp tusks that you talk about. Uh, you know, this this ain't granddad's pigs. You know what I'm saying? These are wild boars and they are dangerous animals. Um, on a little little bit of a lighter note, uh, we we don't get to use the word grifters nearly enough in modern society. Talk to me about this. Hey, Davis. You know, a lot of the time when you hear a tale of grifters or malfeasance, you think, well, this happened 50 years ago. Or yeah. this happened back in the days of Twain. But this, uh, the one I'm, I've just finished writing about, happened just a couple of years ago. And there were two Oklahoma grifters um, who set up a Ponzi scheme where farmers could buy in. And they got farmers out of Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas, Kansas, and maybe one or two out of Illinois as well. There's over a hundred farmers involved and they got them to go in on a tilapia scheme. You pay in 10,000, we okay. give you the fish, the fry, and then you grow them and we'll come buy them from you. And they told these farmers that they had Dubai and the United Arab Emirates involved and they were flying into Oklahoma and shipping them back to Dubai, which was false. And then of course they also followed that up with, Hey, you can also buy into our quail egg scheme. Oh, they said geez. they had contracts with Carnival uh, to sell them quail eggs on a daily basis. So the Ponzi scheme was set up on fish, quail eggs, uh, aquaponic vegetables, and an actual fake stock to boot. And they hauled in well over uh, $1 million before they were caught. They were planning on, they were trying to go nationwide and there was massive amounts of hijinks involved. And a lot of farmers got stuck with a warehouse full of fish mm. and nowhere to nowhere to market it. And so essentially they had to dump their product. And and once again, when you realize that this just took place, you know, a couple of years ago, it really smacks you in the head and tells you, okay, grifters aren't just from Twain's day. They're mm. out there praying right now. Yep. Yep, even to this day, that's an excellent reminder. Um, Chris, your stuff shows up on agweb.com. We're, we're so glad to, uh, to have you check in here once in a while. Can you, can you pull back the curtain on just anything else, maybe a little preview of something coming up? Absolutely. Uh, working on a real a kicker, right? A real kicker, Davis, about a 
a pilot, one of the most famous drug pilots in history who worked for all of the big drug lords that would come to your mind. And he grew up 100% on a farm. He farmed as an adult, and he was supposed to be a farmer for life, a row crop farmer. But the dollars from the illicit mm. drug trade, uh, they got dangled a little too close to his hands, <laughs> and he fell in. And so I'm going to weave that whole tale together and show what happened on his farm and exactly how the farm background genuinely benefited him in the drug trade. And it's, it's quite a surreal story. Wow. That's, that's absolutely fascinating. Um, dude, one more thing before I cut you loose there. Um, completely unrelated, but, uh, look out your window. What's you're down in Mississippi, correct? What's it look like right, out the window? Right. Yes, sir. Right now. I mean, we've got, uh, eight days of two inches of snow because what? I mean, two inches is a joke Davis, but when it fell, it didn't go anywhere. And when you have almost zero, uh, equipment, Oh no! And it just stays. <laughs> so you just left it there. Well, you know what? Hey. I I can tell you with a little bit of patience. Oh, uh, and I imagine a fellow like you, Chris, has a fair amount of patience. It'll fix itself eventually, brother. Eventually, hey. it'll fix itself. <laughs> hey, y'all have a great day, Davis. You take care, fella. You bet, uh, Chris Bennett, Farm Journal Wordsmith, my guest here. Uh, special thanks, Brett Waltz, Bam WX, Greg Peterson, Machinery, Pete. Uh, of course, Kent Backus from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and that was Chris Bennett just then. This afternoon, Michelle Rook will have a conversation with Alan Brugler from Brugler Marketing. Thanks so much for tuning in. Big Apple Joe Stackler joins me, Davis Michelson, in saying, tune in this afternoon, 2.06 Central Time, for another round of Agritalk. <laughs>